Well, on Friday, I was <clears throat> um, reading church history, with, and I sat down at 7 o'clock in the evening, and by 7.20, I had a full-blown cold. You know, I've never had something hit me quite so strongly and so quickly as that. And, and, and Lisa had been getting, you know, we had some sickness in our, our family and all that, and Lisa's been getting over a cold as well, and then I got, I got my cold. And so it was very easy for us to kind of compare our symptoms and our suffering you know, status. And I've, I've come to the conclusion that when women have colds and men have colds, women just aren't very good at expressing themselves on how bad it is. You know, ladies, you really need to work on your moaning and your groaning and all of that. We guys, we have it all down. So anyway, last night... Last night, I, 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 I survived the night, but I got up, and I was just, you know, in the morning, you just feel horrible. It's just, it's just the worst in the morning. And I'm going, oh, there's no hope, there's no hope, there's no hope, there's no hope. <laughs> and she said, well, can you get somebody else to speak? And I was like, no, there's no hope, there's no hope. She said, well, what are you speaking on? And I said, hope, hope, I'm speaking on, <laughs> speaking on, on, on hope. Hey, we are in a series that we're calling Hope, and the beautiful Spanish word is Esperanza. Um, this message series is taken from, and I encourage you to get the book. Ray Johnson wrote a book called The Hope Quotient. He's a pastor of a very large church in Folsom, California, and I uh, encourage you to read it, get it, and we're, we're kind of basing a lot of the stuff that we're talking about um, off of that book. Now, hope is, is one of those words that doesn't get a lot of the respect that it probably deserves. I, I kind of call it the, it's the Oakland A's of the big words and spiritual things, you know. We don't respect the A's very much here, and that's kind of the way hope is. In the Bible, it says this, three things last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Okay, he's going to say these are the big three. I mean, the big three, love, obviously, is, is going to shine above all the others, faith, hope, and love, and we talk about love all the time, you know, it's a wonderful thing, and, and all these beautiful things about love, we talk about that. We talk about faith and how critical faith is for your life and for your living, and so we talk about loving one another and loving God, and talking about faith, faith in what God is going to do, and faith in Christ for your salvation, but the word we hardly ever talk about is what? Hope. In fact, many of us would be hard-pressed to even define it and really tell what it is all about. Now, we talked a little bit about what hope is last week, and, and there are a couple ways that you can define it. One is the wimpy way, and one is what I will call the biblical way or God's way to define hope. The wimpy way to define hope is kind of like you use the word interchangeably, the word wish, you know, I wish. Like I would say, you know, I, 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 I wish or I hope the Wi-Fi is working, you know, or I, I hope the 49ers get some draft picks, you know, this year, or I hope, those of you that are in school, I hope I don't get too much homework tomorrow at school. Now, that's interchangeable with wish, but that's not the way God looks at the term hope. It's not a wish, it's actually more of an assurance. Assurance upon which I can build my life. And here's how the difference is there. It's an assurance upon which I can now begin to structure my life around this. In fact, it's probably less than a verb and it's more of a noun. Not that I hope, but I have hope. And here's the difference between I hope versus I have hope. I have hope meaning it's going to be part of my life and who I am. It's not a thing I do, it's a thing I have. It's an assurance that since God is in my life, things are going to work out. 
we did the optimist pessimist thing. We're going to do it more a little bit next next week. Is the glass half empty or half full? Well, hope says it doesn't matter whether it's empty or full or dirty or got flies in it. What matters is that God is the one who holds that 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 glass. Hope is what keeps us. I had a weird experience this, this this past week. We watched a friend's bird. Ever watch birds? And I came home from work one day, and I hear this chirping going on in our back room. And it's like, well, there's a chirping going on in our back room. And they said, yeah, we're, we're, we're watching the friend's bird. And it's a parakeet. You know, have you guys ever had parakeets? You know, we never did. You know, I said, oh, okay. So I went back, and I looked at the bird, and there's this bird that's there in the, in the cage, you know. And it's like, you know, hey, bird, hey, bird, you know. And I tried to get it to say some things, and it didn't, you know. It's like, okay, whatever, you know, you can have your place, even though it was in my man room, but that's okay. You can have it. And, 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 and it got so I, the more I talked to the bird, the more it would respond to me. You ever had a you know, bird? Hey, hey, bird, chirp. Hey, bird, chirp. And, and it began to want to, to, to get out, you know, to try and get out. And I'm thinking, I, this isn't a good idea. I mean, birds fly and I don't, you know, and there's you know, all kinds of issues going on here if this bird gets out. And they said, no, no, it's okay. Yeah, let the bird fly around there. So, so, so I opened the little cage door and the bird came out and, and, and it flew around the room and that's Really, really good. So, so I, I put the bird back in the cage, and it kept trying to open up the little door, the sliding door. And I'm thinking, this bird's going to kill itself. It's going to decapitate itself. So I put a clip on it. Okay, I put a clip on it, and now the bird can't move this thing. I didn't know birds got mad at people, you know, but this bird got like, and it wouldn't. I come in and it wouldn't chirp at me. It wouldn't look at me. It wouldn't have anything, anything to do with me. It's like a yeah, stupid bird. You know, if that's the way you're gonna go. And so the people came to pick up the bird. You know, it's like good, good riddance. You know, and and so the bird, they they put the bird out as they, they talk, and 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 <clears throat> mad bird at me, and I'm mad at the bird, and and that afternoon, that late afternoon, there were 30 birds on the telephone line above my car. Okay, and they just completely cut loose. I mean, they just cut loose in my car on my driveway, and I'm thinking this bird told its friends, you know, this bird. Told... And then I'm cycling the next day, and and there's a hawk, you know, and hawks, you know, keep their distance from me, and I keep my distance. This hawk's like 20 feet above me, screaming at me, screaming at me, and I'm thinking this bird is like the mafia don of all birds is communicating now. Hope tells me that that's... I'm not sure I even told you the story, but anyway. Hope tells me that life is not going to go on, go on that way. That there's something bigger and brighter in my world uh, than, 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 than that. There's a great verse. I love this verse. It says this, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. Reverse those two phrases, okay? And listen to it this way. All you who hope in the Lord, what? Be strong and let your heart take courage. Isn't that cool? If you hope in the Lord, when you hope in the Lord, you can be strong and your heart can take courage. Now, hope, as we want to talk about, it, it changes my life. It really, really does. And there are three things that, that really will be affected as our lives are changed by hope. And the first one is going to deal with our past, okay? Hope sets me free from my past. And, and, and I love this one. And, and I can't tell you how, how big this is because a lot of us walk around with this burden on our back of our past. And we carry these things around and we think, I can never change or I've got this reputation or, gosh, I wish I could have a do-over or a start-over. Now, the good thing about the past is it's in the past and there's not much I can do about it. But the bad thing about the past is what? 
it's in the past and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, it's a double-edged sword on this deal. And here's where regrets come and hope can free me from the past in two different ways. First of all, my sin doesn't define me anymore. And some of us, and some of us, um, this is, we really need to hear this today. It's not going to define me anymore. I love AA. I love all the recovery movements. I love all the groups you guys are part of. And I'll go. The one thing that I, I sometimes just struggle with is, but I understand why they have to do it, is when you speak in an AA meeting, you have to say, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a what? I'm an, I'm an, I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic, you know. And I, and I get it. I understand it. You have to name the sin and you have to name that which you're powerless against. But you have to also understand, too, in Christ, who I was and my addictions are not my defining point. They are not the things that define me the most. And again, no knock on AA. I love them and what they do is awesome. And, and I understand why they have to do what they do. But to move past that in my life, in who I am in Christ... I can't continue to say, I am Paul and I'm this. I have to say, I'm Paul and I'm now in Christ. This is what the Bible says. It says, don't fool yourselves. He's writing to the Corinthians. He says, those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And he's going to list them all. And when you see a big list like that, you're saying, well, gosh, out of those nine or ten things, I'm, I'm not quite any of these, but I'm this, 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 and this. Whenever there's a big list, he's talking about everything. Okay, everything. And some of these you're saying are pretty big. They're all big. They're all big. Um, and it goes on. And this is what I love. He says this. Such were what? Some of you. Such were some of you. You were were, and I love the word were. He goes on to say, but you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. And if you want to do a little bit further Bible study on that, go back and look up what those words mean, washed and sanctified and justified, because they are very powerful words, because the definition of who you are is no longer those sins. It's washed, sanctified, and justified. Second thing is I don't have to stay the same. Hope frees me from the expectation that my past is the main factor in my life. Finally, I have a chance to become something different. I know some people will, will talk about you know kids, kids they grow up and, and they'll say, I can't wait to be able to go off to college because then I can actually redefine myself. You know, I'll be somebody different. And it's like... It doesn't, always, it doesn't always work that way. You know, it doesn't always work that way. Who you are is who you are. And the changes don't come from a geographic move. They come from the internal movement of God within you. And you don't have to stay the same. Borrowing from that last verse we talked about, you were sanctified. And that is a incredible word. It means God's in the process of making the changes. He sees you as completely perfect in his sight. And he's now working on an ongoing basis daily, day after day, moment after moment, making you more into the image of what he wants you to be. I don't have to be the one with bad relationships because changes are happening in me. And I don't have to be the one who people avoid because changes are now happening in me. I don't have to be the one whose relationships always fall apart. 
because I'm open to the changes <coughs> that God is allowing to be in my, in, my, in my life. I'm not saddled with the past and with the burden of the past. Um, well, for a while, there was this thing that was running around churches, and, and every so often those spurious little things happen, and that people have these different beliefs, and, and they're like moved on by, by other people. And, and when I got here, actually, a number of years ago, and it even kept on going, there was a teaching um, that, that I'm not sure who started it, but they pulled some Old Testament verses together. They just kind of cobbled them together. And they came out with this whole idea of, and you may have heard of these generational curses or family curses or family background stuff. Some of you are actually shaking, nodding your head that you remember that. And basically what it was saying is that if you had a great-great-grandmother that was involved in this kind of weird voodoo practice or something like that, it actually generationally will be handed down. And until you do some kind of spiritual cleansing or spiritual movement, you still have that on you and it's going to affect your life. And when I got here, some people were holding on to that. And I said, what are you talking about? You know, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you talking about? That's not true. That's superstition. You know, it doesn't work just because my grandmother did this or did that. doesn't mean anything for me. And so we had to work through that with a lot of people's lives. And that has no place in Jesus. And I need you to understand just because you come from a long line of families that their marriages never work doesn't mean that yours is, is, is destined to break apart. It doesn't mean that. Listen to what this verse says. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The new has come. It's new. Boom. It's brand new. Family patterns can change. You can change. Number two, because of hope, I can bounce back from my mistakes. I, I, can, I can bounce back. A guy is always going to be giving me a way to bounce back from those kinds of things. You know how many people in the Bible had to bounce back from problems? Like about how many? All of them. You know, pretty much all of them. Almost all of them. Joseph had to bounce back from a huge family dysfunction. I mean, you got a bunch of brothers that hate your guts. David had to bounce back from moral failure. You know, he had to bounce back from that. Ruth had to bounce back from widowhood at a young age and all kinds of immigration issues. Elijah had to bounce back from personal criticism and depression. We'll look at him in just a second. Nehemiah from legal and political challenges. Peter had to bounce back. Remember where Jesus says to him, Peter, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. And, And man... He said, hang on, because it's going to be coming. And we think sift is not just a nice, gentle sifting. The way they would sift wheat is they had to beat it to pieces in order to, to separate the, the, the chaff from the, from the other stuff. And so they're throwing it up in the air and smacking it around. And he's saying, Peter, you, you, you got that coming on, on you. And he bounced back to be the really heart of this movement called, called, called Christianity. And because God is holding on to my class, no matter what I'm going through, it can make sense. And I can bounce back from that. So this is what Joseph says. Again, and this is what we can say, and this is the hope you got. You intended to harm me, he says, but God intended it for what? For good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. His life basically got kind of wrecked for about like 35 years. You know, it derailed for 35 years, but God meant it 
for good. Now, this is a big question. Would you allow God to derail your life for 35 years and not go in the direction you would want for the saving of many other lives? The hope we have is that no matter what's going on in this life, God's got it under control. Number three, at least the last one. Because of hope, I'm free to look to the future. Thursday, man, Thursday was Thursday. It was like, oh, it was just, it's not one of those days. I didn't get up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm just not sure I ever really got up. You know, it's just like, it's just like I'm not even sure I'm awake. I'm alive, and, and I wasn't feeling great anyway, and it's cold and it's dark, and I needed to get exercise. And, you know, you put on your shirt, and it's backwards, you know, those kinds of things. And you take it off, you spin it around. Now it's not backwards, it's just inside out. You know, it's like, what was this day? You know, your shoes are in double knots, you can't get them untied, and, 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 and all of that. And, you know, it's just one of those days where, my goodness, you know, how is the rest of the day going to go if it's starting out like this in the first five minutes? And I thought of this, I, and, I, and I thought of this, and, and I'm so thankful I did, or God yanked this one into my head. This verse, Psalm 118.24, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you hear the hope in that? I mean, do you hear that? This is the day the Lord has made. God made this day. God, you made this day. Whatever this day is, whether I got, you know, throat all messed up or whether I've got shoes that are all tangled up or, or no matter what my life is experiencing, this is it a you made. You made this day. And because you made it and because you're still allowing me to breathe and have life, I can rejoice and be glad in it no matter, no matter what. And it's unique and it has opportunities. And even though, I'm, even though I'm going through this momentary challenge, it's day made. And not only is this a day, it's this week God has made and this month God has made. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm in it, and God, you're going to work in it, and you're going to work through me. I think um, um, when I think about the word hope, I, I think about the opposite word, or words that mean opposite, and that would be despair, discouragement, you know, depression. And, 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 and I mentioned him before, and I think he probably is the most expressive in the Bible of of a guy who lost hope. His name was Elijah, and he's a prophet of God, and, and God had called him to go to a very difficult situation, a king that was just a jerk, and the king's wife that was even worse. And he was called, and, 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 and he was able to do all kinds of good stuff. But after all the good stuff, he really wanted everyone to now respond to God. And they didn't. They didn't. A warrant was put out for his arrest, and he had to take off into the desert. He's run into the desert. It says this, Elijah sat down under a solitary broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. Wow. Had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. God, it's, it's done. It's done. Take my life. Um, I've had enough. I'm, I'm, I'm just done. And, and you just think, Wow. Um, I may have felt that sometimes in my life, you know? I mean, I don't want to go in the next load up to heaven, but God, 
you know, if Jesus wants to come any moment in time, that's a good thing, you know. And he's dumping on God, which happens, and it's okay, dump on God. And he wants God to do some miraculous thing in his life. He wants God to do some miraculous thing in his life. Because we sometimes think, God, I would have hope if you just simply pull off the miracle. You know, if even though I don't play the lottery, if I'd win it. You know, that would be an awesome miracle, you know, if you could do that. Or if my engine would just miraculously, you know, fix itself. You know, that would be a, a great thing. And God takes him up farther up to this mountain, and, he, and, and God says, okay, I'm going to teach you a lesson, Elijah. Here's a lesson for you, and I want you to learn it. And, 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 and I've learned from his lesson, too, and I'm glad I didn't have to go through it. Says this. God says, "Okay, go outside. Go outside." And it says this. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Okay. All of a sudden, Elijah comes out of this, this cave that he's been hiding out in, and this, this mountain's just blown apart. You know, just blown apart. And it's kind of a Hollywood version of this one. But there's an interesting statement the Bible says. It says, "But the Lord was not <coughs> in the wind." It's like I mean, the wind. You'd think God would work, you know, in these big, powerful, majestic ways, you know. And that's where I can find hope in these miracles of God doing these miracles of nature. It says, after the wind, there was an earthquake. Mount's shaken and all that. And it says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. And you know, it's fire blowing and you're, you know, you're freaking out. It says, but the Lord was not in the fire. And it's really interesting. It's like, what are you talking about here? You know, isn't God causing all these kinds of things? I mean, I mean, doesn't God work in these big, miraculous, huge, monstrous ways? And it says this, and after the fire, a sound of gentle blowing. You know, just, just quiet. So Elijah's gone through all this stuff. He's seen now the power of God. He's seen the, the, you know, the massive work of God. He's seen all those kinds of things that are going on. And it says time and time again, I mean, specifically, God's not in the fire. God's not in the earthquake. God's not in the wind. God's not there. God isn't in there. Now, of course he is, but what he's saying is, this isn't the only way God works. God works in the quietness sometimes of life. The still, the gentle blowing of the wind, and then there's an instruction for Elijah. Elijah, look. You think just simply because you got problems that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at work? You crazy? Look, look, I can do earthquakes and I can do fire and I can do wind. I can do breezes. I can do all those kinds of things. But understand, if I'm doing those things or not, I'm still at work. And I'll still be working in your life no matter what. So get up and take the next step in what? What's our word? In hope. In hope. <coughs> I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. Because worship, because, I'm sorry, hope changes everything. It, it, it really does. It gets you going in the day. It helps you understand that no matter what life brings tomorrow or next week, God's in charge of this. And it's not that I hope things work out okay. It's I have a hope. I have a hope. There's a great verse that says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Because you trust in him, then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we'll talk about um, Jesus being our hope, 
our living hope. In the next song, I asked them to pull this one together if they could. And this song is going to actually work you through the whole idea of who Jesus is and what Jesus did and the hope that you can have in him. Because ultimately, that's where the hope starts. And so let's worship this one together. Listen, but also sing this one out in a strong way.